There's no such thing as bad apples, only bad podcasts like this one. I'm Stigmatis Van Rossum. Very good. I'm the over five foot ten Ben Sheets. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and I'm uh, Cleveland Mosier. And uh, hypothetically, say that you found the recipe for your Nana's truffle butter in the basement. Would you use it? No. (laughs) Probably for the best. Uh. We just watched a movie We did, it was a film It was a film, it's a brand new film Mm -hmm. um, But it's one that, you know, might have uh, (laughs) Slid under most people's radar Uh, Probably for the best Yeah, probably Probably. We just watched a brand new movie called Shut In uh, And Shut In was directed by uh, DJ Caruso Who, uh, people who were Alive in the mid to late 2000s might remember directing such movies as I Am Number Four and <laughs> he, Eagle Eye. He did a lot of mid-tier <laughs> schlock. I think he did Disturbia, too. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds right. He, he did a couple of Shia LaBeouf things. I Am Number Four is still such a bad title, isn't it? I remember <laughs> yeah. thinking that when it came out, and I'm still thinking that it was based. That was based on like a like a young adult series, right? Like there there were books. I think I remember seeing classmates reading them in middle school. Anywho, uh, Shut In, Shut In is a movie that is uh, produced by Daily Wire. <laughs> yep. Uh, Hypothetically, a- AKA uh, Ben Shapiro's. <laughs> Uh, Production Network. Uh, I don't want to call it news because it's not. Fucking little little Ben Shapiro. Little Ben's uh, slop and poor. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Now, I think that we would have uh, safely... Just calling him a slop and poor like that. Just casually thrown out a slop emporium. Is he wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just, I'm just trying to like, goddamn. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we, you can do that. we would not have touched this movie for any reason, except for the fact that it is the uh, on-screen return of Vincent Gallo after, like, 15 years, yeah. something like that. Yeah, his first movie in, like, 15 years. He's back in Jones and for a hit. Now, he is... I'll just go ahead and say he's severely underutilized in this movie. Yeah. But yeah. I still want to talk about Vincent Gallo briefly. Yes. Because There's a few other chances we can. I mean, Trouble Every Day, I Trouble guess. Trouble Every Day, yeah. Okay, so Vincent Gallo uh, and Cleveland, you don't know. You you didn't even recognize nope. him in this movie. You don't know who Vincent Gallo is. Okay, Correct. So, so please enlighten me uh, and our viewers. Buckle in. I'm buckling. I'm strapping. Vincent Gallo is a uh, actor and filmmaker, art house kind of filmmaker. Artiste. He's an artiste. Uh, he made a couple of uh, pretty popular indie art house films in like the mid to late 90s. Yeah. Well, his his claim to fame was actually he was friends with uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Oh. And he had like a, a band with him. And was close in his circle, so he's close in the high art world or whatever. Okay. How old and, is he? Uh, he's in his, like, late 50s now, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. 40s or 50s. Okay. Uh, he's not young. He yeah. 
directed a couple movies in the 90s. He directed Buffalo 66, which personally I think is one of the greatest movies of all time. That was a film that you introduced me to in college that I also liked quite a lot. Uh, Just an amazing, inventive, awesome film. Angelica Houston, Ben Gazzara... Uh, Christina Ricci, all great in it. And then he went on to direct uh, The Brown Bunny, which is a very out there experimental road trip movie of sorts. That and, is, it, is it Chloe Sevigny yeah. who at the end gives him an unsimulated on screen blowjob for like 10 minutes? Yep. Ooh, that's yep. not very family friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your- and uh, it got terrible responses at... Uh, I wonder why. At uh, Cannes, people were walking out and booing. And uh, he got in an infamous spat with Roger Ebert at the time, <laughs> uh, hexing him to get cancer, which uh, I guess he Dang, later he did. did. It. <laughs> yeah. Vince Gallo's black magic worked yeah. on Roger Ebert. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, uh, the only other thing that I know Vincent Gallo from is, as you mentioned, Trouble Every Day, which is a uh, Claire Denis film mm-hmm. from like 2004, I think, something like that. Um, yeah, he's he's done a lot of acting. He's done work in Francis Ford Coppola movies and Martin Scorsese. The shitty Francis Ford Coppola yeah, movies. Yeah, um, but he also directed a third film called Promises Written in Water, and this one's kind of infamous because he screened it at like one or two festivals and then never released it. He was just so butthurt about the Brown Bunny's reception that he was like, I don't want this sullied by, you know, public reception or whatever, and never released it. And he kind of quit film altogether at that point now, as well. the way that we've described Vincent Gallo up till this point is in a way that I think, you know... Some might be able to construe as, like, complimentary, like, we both like Buffalo 66, you know, he's worked with some pretty prestigious, like, art house directors and otherwise, Martin Scorsese, so on and so forth, but it's important, (laughs) it's important to make very clear that, uh, Vincent Gallo is a bona fide far right nut job. Uh, yeah, he's he's a weirdo provocateur. I would say yes. Uh, you know, you know that uh, somebody has a uh, colorful story when their Wikipedia has a section entitled "Racist and Anti-Semitic Views," Uh-oh. <laughs> which I would like to read now. Actually, oh, please do. I would like to read the. Oh, no. the the racist and anti-Semitic oh, no. views of the of Vincent Gallo's Wikipedia page, just to give you the idea of the kind of guy that we're working with here. Gallo has expressed racist and anti-Semitic views, notably on a page on his personal website offering to sell his sperm while maintaining the right this is in quotes, the right to refuse sale of his sperm to those of extremely dark complexions because he does not want to be part of that type of integration. He also offers a discount to those who are naturally blonde or related to a mid-century German soldier. (laughs) (laughs) However, he is willing to sell his sperm to a Jewish woman as, quote, connection 
devotion to the Jewish faith would guarantee his offspring a better chance at good reviews and maybe a prize at the Sundance Film Festival or an Oscar. Is, it's a, is it a bit? I mean, that sounds like satire <laughs> debatable in 2020 he made a series of t-shirts available on his website bad. sporting slogans such as whites freed the blacks Oof. fuck black lives matter Oof. and tell your thug single parent children to stop resisting arrest oh Ooh. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yikes. Not, Yikes. Not none of, no, yeah, you can't defend that. None of this is good. Yeah, like, that, that, none of yeah. this is like, good. You could the the last bit, like, that... putting a bit on your website, yeah. like, 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 I'm picturing it like, being, like, an angel fire, like, okay, maybe I can see that as satire, like, still, like, in poor taste, but, like, satire, you know, nonetheless, well, and, like, yeah. but that... That, that is crossing the line. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty hard to, it's hard to, yeah. hard to so see. Vincent, Vincent Gallo is. Ooh, boy. Uh, I, I think Oof. describing him as a provocateur is uh, putting it lightly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I think crank is more. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he does bring a certain energy <laughs> to his performances that makes him an interesting actor. Yeah. But I I wanted to read that and and explain Vincent Gallo so. It makes sense why he's in a Daily Wire movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's been very outspoken, especially lately, about Trump and all of that. He's become a full-on crank. You should read more on his website, though, because there's a section where he is selling different things. And one of the things is personal services, a night with Vincent Gallo. And it is... How much? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. Ridiculous. How much? Okay. Uh, so this is this is going to be uh, a, a bit of a tangent because uh, this is somewhat lengthy. But uh, yeah, on his website, he has a section for merchandise. And, uh, you know, that's split into books, posters, magazines, jewelry, DVD stills, arts work, artworks. Uh, but you also have personal services. The first of which... Vincent Gallo Evenings, Weekends Escort, $50,000. Escort? Escort. <laughs> Wish, Dream, or Fantasy with Vincent Gallo. Oh. Ladies only. Ah. And here we go. <laughs> Have you ever watched a movie and fallen in love with one of the actors? The way they looked or a character they played? Afterwards, you thought of them over and over, daydreaming, imagining things, sexy things. <laughs> when I was very young, I was madly in love with Tuesday Weld and Charlotte Rampling. On my 14th birthday, I went to see the film Rolling Thunder, and I had my biggest crush of all on the actress Linda Haynes. I wished and wished and wished every day that I could meet all these girls. I thought of a lot of sexy things with Susan Blakely after meeting her in Lords of Flatbush. What the fuck? In my mind, I could do with her anything I wanted to. So believe me, I know and understand what it's like to wish and dream about spending time with a movie star, doing things that couples do. Couples in love. At least couples where the guy is hot and knows how to handle a chick. <laughs> I, Vincent Gallo, star of such classics as Buffalo 66 and The Brown Bunny, have decided to make myself available to all women. All women who can afford me, that is. For the modest fee of $50,000 plus expenses, I can fulfill the wish, dream, or fantasy of any naturally born female. <laughs> 
The fee covers one evening with Vincent Gallo. For those who wish to enjoy my company for a weekend, the fee is increased to a mere hundred thousand dollars. Heavy set, older, redheads, and even black chicks can have me if they can pay the <laughs> oh, bill. My God. No real female will be refused. However, I highly frown upon any male having even the slightest momentary thought or wish that he could ever become my client. No way, Jose. However, <laughs> female couples of the lesbian persuasion can enjoy a Vincent Gallo evening together for $100,000. $200,000 buys the lesbos a weekend. A weekend that will have them second guessing. <laughs> I am willing to travel worldwide Whoa. to accommodate clients. However, travel days are billed at $50,000 per, plus all premium flight fees. Scanning for STDs is required, as is bathing and grooming prior to our encounter. Detailed photos of potential clients also required prior. An extra fee for security to protect me is charged on top of the fantasy fee. Security fees... Security fees will vary depending on the details of an encounter and how much security I will need. Potential clients are advised to screen the controversial scene from the brown bunny to be sure for themselves that they can fully accommodate all of me. Clients who have doubt may want to test themselves with an unusually thick and large prosthetic prior to meeting me. You may be what surprised just how much you can handle and how good it feels. This service is available, but is only payable by cash, checks, and or bank wire. No credit card payments accepted for this, t- for this item. <laughs> this is also the same page where he's selling his sperm for one million dollars uh but that's another whole like three paragraph yeah. deal i think we get yeah I yeah get the picture. i think our listeners shit. get the picture incredible though thank you for for taking me on that wonderful ride isn't that just the neck beardiest thing you've ever fucking seen in your life heard in your life whatever fucking i don't i yeah i'm i'm so like fucking taken aback by yeah. that like it's it's wild but it is it, it is like the kind of shit you'd read on neckbeard rpg you know or like some other like reddit thread about like just like the just like the shut-in people like ever uh hey that's funny because this movie is called shut in yeah (laughs) as a segue and now you can see why ben and i were like okay vincent's back (laughs) we got we gotta see what this is about and you know what i feel fucking cheated because this movie uh, lured us into its bullshit with the promise that we might get an insane uh, late period Vincent Gallo performance. I will say we got hints of it, but hints. not nearly Just enough. Hints. Just hints. Instead, it was we- really self indulgent. Well, okay, we that's that's an understatement for yeah. Vincent Gallo. Yeah. I mean, Vincent like, Gallo, yeah, Vincent but like Gallo not knowing the guy, not yeah. uh, like that was that was in my mind like well before like I learned all of that wild shit. Wow! But, uh, <laughs> if there's one fuck. word I could use to describe Vincent Gallo, it'd be self indulgent. Yeah. yeah, like holy shit. Um, uh, well, I I will admit yeah, I did a little homework before this movie. Um, there, this movie piqued my curiosity because Dallas Sonier produced it and uh you know for a while Dallas Sanier was putting out some pretty good movies he you know he produced Bone Tomahawk 
and Brawl Until Block 99 and the Zayler movies. As Craig Zayler, who is uh, also a uh, notable yeah, right wing art house filmmaker. Yeah, he, he's also a crank, but he actually makes good movies. He does, I will he, say, he does make some pretty. I don't yeah. love. I don't love Bone Tomahawk, but uh, Dragged Across Concrete is pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, Dragged Across Concrete was a great movie, and somewhat recently he was. Uh, tangentially me too i guess there were people working under him that what a surprise yeah right exactly so disgraced i don't think he me too anyone but it was one of those things where he knew about something happening and didn't do anything about it sure um but yeah disgraced producer goes to produce for daily wire of course, because that's like the next step after being canceled. Right? Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, um, if you want to have any kind of career after being canceled, you go you go to the alt right. Yeah, because uh, you know they're they're so uh, anti cancel culture. Yeah. So I was curious to see how this movie would turn out. So I listened to a podcast with Dallas Sanier. And, you know, he was talking about the creation of this movie and the the story about the making of this movie is actually kind of interesting, right? He found this script from a first-time writer on the uh, Hollywood Blacklist. Melanie Toast. Yeah, the Hollywood Blacklist, you know, known for, like, very sought-after, you know, scripts going around Hollywood. It's kind of a contest that goes on every year. You know, he calls her immediately after reading it and kind of says, I'll give you money immediately if I can have the rights to this movie and I'll get it made. And she's, you know, being a first time filmmaker, she's like, "Okay, yeah, sure. Um, And he takes it to New Line and they actually pick it up. Jason Bateman was originally going to direct this movie. Oh, he dodged a Wow. But but uh, the Sammy character, the uh, child molester in the this Vincent movie, Gallo character, they the studio was like, that's a little too edgy for us. We're gonna change it to like a Cujo like dog. They were gonna replace the pedophile what? drug addict with a Cujo dog. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. What? <laughs> They're not equivalent at all. No. What? I just imagine like her trying to like stab the paw and like make the deal like like with heroin. Like here, get some heroin. You know, like, stick your paw under the door, boy. I'll give you some. I'll give you some meth. What the? F- what? Jesus yeah. Christ. Doesn't make any um, sense. Yeah, I'm sure they would probably have rewrote a lot of that yeah. to make more sense, but still, like the idea that you can just swap one over the other That's is pretty funny. Is ridiculous. But they they optioned it and enough time passed that, you know, it didn't get made. And so uh Dallas Sanier took it and decided to get it made on his own. Um, so, you know, he goes to Daily Wire and says, I have a movie, you have to produce it, um, just no notes, you, you gotta do what comes up. And so they do. You know, and I mean, I feel like, I, I don't even imagine that Daily Wire would have even had any notes. Like, this movie seems, like, pretty directly in line with their, with their kind of values. Yeah, yeah, well, it's like a... It feels like very much like a DJ Caruso movie in that, like, it feels like mid-tier schlock, like a kind of movie that isn't made anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but not 
fun. No, like, no. You say you say it's schlocky, and it is, but it's not fun. This movie is boring as shit. Yeah. Well, the other the other funny thing moments. there were there were a couple other funny tidbits from that podcast, but one was. Dallas Sanier insisted that they directed the first draft of the script. Oh, man. And he was like, no notes. We're doing it as is. That makes perfect sense. Right. And he's like, uh, they asked him about it and he defended it as, you know, I just have so much faith in the writers that like by the time they turn in the script, like it's in a place that they want. And they yeah. think it's good. That's how that works. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then uh, the other the other part is uh, Vincent Gallo went full method for this movie. Oh, did he become a meth head? So uh, he went full method. He, he, he became a meth head actor. <laughs> he got a tooth pulled. For this movie, a working tooth pulled solely for this movie. I didn't even notice no. he was missing no. a tooth in this movie. No. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. what? What? That's insane. What? He's on screen for like four minutes. I didn't even notice what? he was missing the tooth. Yeah. That's so Man, dumb. Why yeah. would you do that? Holy what? shit. No. Yeah, this this movie is, uh, I mean, it's it really does feel like the perfect kind of like Daily Wire movie appeal to the edgier side of the of the daily wire audience you know like it is quote-unquote a horror movie it's not scary or horrifying there's no real enemy in this movie except for like the idea of degeneracy and sin uh it's very heavy-handed uh i think heavy-handed is actually putting it lightly yeah uh in its uh sort of uh fundamentalist christian iconography and symbolism yeah this movie tries to make a point by driving a nail through your hand literally literally Literally, yeah like yeah it's like it's like it's like not just like driving the point home it's driving home through your fucking hand well and the whole conceit is it's like a capsule film right like she gets stuck Mm -hmm. in the pantry pantry and she can't get out so almost all of the movie is just her in the pantry. God, and it sucks. And, you know, I like movies like that when they can do it well, but sure. it's really challenging to do yeah. like a single location movie well like that. It and you need does. a really compelling lead to do yeah. that. Yeah, and I don't think uh, a compelling location. I don't think Rainy Quali is a particularly compelling lead yeah. in this. Well, I, I look at a movie like Oxygen, for example, right? Like yeah. that's a yeah. great yeah. capsule so movie because, movie. like. It's a drip feed of new things as you go. And this- there's mis- there's mystery. It's unraveling yeah. a mystery, and there's no mystery here. Yep. It's just a woman gets uh, trapped in her pantry uh, because she refuses to give her druggy ex husband and his pedophile friend money. So they nail so they nail her up in in the fucking pantry. Like there's no there's no mystery, there's no reveal of information. Like so much of the movie is just her like trying stupid illogical ways to get out of the pantry and her daughter, her her child being just the most fucking obnoxious. Like, <laughs> man, kids in movies can really really suck. Yeah. Like and this is one of those cases where like not only is the child not a good actor and you know 
it's a kid, whatever. But just it's not like, the child's fault. It's not necessarily it's the child's fault. fault. It's like the movie, <laughs> like, oh, it's so, it's just her in the fucking pantry being like, baby, go get me a, a metal tool so I can take the hinges off. And then her daughter coming back with a crayon and being like, I'm hungry. I can't break down the door with a crayon. You know down, that. You know that. I'm, I'm hungry, mommy. I gotta pee. I dropped the baby. I dropped the baby, mommy. Just like, it just goes on and on and on. And eventually Vincent Gallo comes back. But the thing is, is because it it gives us a very limited perspective of like her in the pantry. Like we just hear his voice on the other side. Like we're not even getting like a good physical performance from Vincent Gallo. And... You know, she tries to tempt him. There's a lot of temptation going uh, on in this movie. Um, three guesses as to why. Uh, but she tries to tempt him because her, her ex-husband, when he locks her in there, he throws a, a little baggie of meth under the door. She used to be a druggie, too, and then she went to rehab, and he's trying to get her hooked again. You know, so she tries to tempt Vincent Gallo with it and gets him to put his hand under the door to, like, take it. And, and she stabs him through his hand with the screwdriver and then he's trapped too <laughs> like that's that's kind of fun i guess she sets his hand on fire at one point that for, was dope that was pretty fun. yeah, was dope. yeah. I, I, look, I wasn't look, expecting here's it. here's what i'm gonna say here's what i'm gonna say sitting down to watch this movie my my expectations were nil but about as soon as the movie started and i saw that like they're using like somewhat decent cameras except the 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 the, the, the anamorphic lens they had the anamorphic why? lens thing why do why are people but doing that the color correction looked pretty good and like the cinematography wasn't too bad either like like i'm gonna Bro, be honest it's, it's 2022 that shit is bare fucking minimum for me at this point like oh. the fact the fact that you're i i know that <laughs> i know that as part of your job you watch a lot of shitty found footage horror movies yeah. but like a film looking like this movie is like bare minimum in 2021 look, for like a movie with any sort of budget. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm fucking blasting ropes over here because of like how, how great, how great it was. But like, I, you know, like I, I, I'm at least willing to appreciate that in small, some was, small capacity. It was, co- was competent. And that's all. It was like, competently and, lit. And like, and I was, I was, it, were in frame. at the least a little surprised by that. And I started making a joke about, Hey, what if it was good? So I thought that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. And, uh, it uh, of course wasn't, but I don't know what really what I was expecting going in, um, you know, budget wise or production value wise. But like the production value, like really, it wasn't really the problem with the movie for sure. No, uh, you know, once again, I mean, I don't think it was particularly interesting or creative. Like, no. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any mem like memorable shots. Like everything is pretty. Yeah, pretty pretty flatly framed. But yeah, like it's competently lit. Like it doesn't look bad. But, uh, I mean, you did mention the lens, and I want to talk about that a little bit, because we talked about that not long ago uh, with with our uh, seance review, which did a similar thing, where most of the movie used, like, an extremely wide-angle lens, where, like, the edge of the frame warps inward a little bit, like, not quite fisheye, but close. This movie does the same fucking thing, but it's even more confusing in this movie because half of the movie is her stuck in the pantry, mm-hmm. which is a very narrow, confined environment. Why do you need such a fucking wide angle? 
for that. It's distracting because the space is so narrow, the distortion of the lens is apparent in every single shot because there's like so much clutter and I just don't understand it. I want to start a movement. I want to start a petition, make a law in Hollywood. This is a law. You go to jail if you break he's, he's pointing his finger around. You go to jail if out. you go to jail if you break this law. Mm-hmm. The, the Pilgrim's law. Per per 60 minutes of film, you're allowed four extreme wide angle lens shots per 60 minutes. So if your movie's 2 hours long, you get 8 of them. <laughs> this is why uh uh, Kubrick got got by the Illuminati. I think. And if you and if you and if you break if you break this rule, if you break this law, you go to jail <laughs> forever. <laughs> like shooting this movie in this pantry with such a wide angle lens. Well, is the is, wide angle lens makes things feel epic, right? Yes. Well, it's it's th- yeah. I like mean, that's the t- whole point of a wide angle lens. It's it's the same kind of confusing thing about like why did Quentin Tarantino shoot Hateful Eight on seventy five millimeter? The whole thing takes place in a cabin, right? Yeah. But you know, Quentin Tarantino self indulgent is his whole his whole mo. That film looks great. It has like four or five really beautiful like wide establishing shots of the mountain that look incredible yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's tarantino being a fucking self-indulgent weirdo daily wire and dj caruso (laughs) have not earned that kind of goodwill well i think for me more than that it just has to be motivated right like look at the shining like the shining uses a shit ton of wide angles but that's to emphasize the isolation of the emptiness of the surroundings around it's an epic it's figure. an epic framing it, yeah. it makes I mean, it very good you have the opposite in this large. where you're in a tight huge. space yeah. and you know you're not trying to emphasize the emptiness around them you may be trying to emphasize isolation but you're not really achieving that with a wide angle lens but there has to be some kind of stylistic purpose for it it would be one thing if the wide angle stuff only started once she got in the pantry, so it's supposed to be like kind of warped and claustrophobic and weird and whatever, but it's it's the same thing as Seance. It's like the whole fucking movie. It's not a stylistic choice. It just is. It's like they showed up to set to shoot and they only had that one lens, mm-hmm. which maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of fucking camera packages they're renting for a movie like this. Maybe they only did have the one lens. I it it doesn't look good. <laughs> it, it's fucking distracting. I wish I wish they would stop doing it. Again, it's not quite as bad as Pilgrim. Uh, no, but that Pilgr- was, that Pilgrim was, filmed, was like that was was, with- was filmed on an alternating like regular camera and a fisheye. Like, yeah, Pilgrim like that was, was filmed on, the on a worst. camera that you would use for shooting a skateboard uh, video in two thousand and two. <laughs> yeah, uh, this wasn't quite there, but still, like, other than that, you know, a a perfectly competently shot film if uh boring in terms of its like set design and costume and it's just like there's there's nothing fun to look at well in this movie. what's curious to me is like i went into this kind of expecting an incompetent film considering like it is yeah. daily wire yeah exactly you know so to see like 
schlock, but kind of playing it safe surprised me. The fact that from a technical standpoint, this movie was perfectly competent kind of makes it worse, in my opinion, because it makes it less fun. I was also expecting something incompetent, something that I would really be able to, like, laugh at a lot at just, like, how fucking stupid it is. And instead, like, yeah, this is a, a technically perfectly average decent film from a technical standpoint. The script... It's dog shit. This this movie is <laughs> the like script is terrible. This movie is like perfect for like Christian millennial wine moms. Yeah, dude, the kind of people who fucking it's pay perfect. attention to Daily Wire. It's yeah. it's literally like the perfect Daily Wire horror movie because there are some things about it like who want to watch because like 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 millennial Christian wine moms probably like are willing to like try a horror movie, you know, like well, yeah, like, and, like, and, and, and a, give it a go. Like there's there is there is a demographic this is, here. This is only this is only niche, a, <laughs> hilariously niche as it this is. This is only a horror movie in the loosest possible yeah. sense. Like technically, it it's, does fall in. I think, but it's the kind of it's the kind of horror movie that a like 37 year old like white suburban uh mom would put on at like one in the afternoon while she's waiting for the kids to get home from school you know and be a little scared by it but she's only really scared by it because of the ideas of ooh drugs and ooh pedophiles ooh, well what if my children are in <laughs> danger it's right like, yeah it's like ooh what if a pedophile drug what if a pedophile drug addict comes into my house what am i going to and ooh he locked me in the pantry yeah. you know like it's well it's it's all of the like the thing that really would have like i think like brought it home for like the perfect zeitgeist representation of like the fears of like the christian like wine mom is like if if like vincent gallo's character was black like yeah. that would have been like the the like the cinch in it, but 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 apart from that, like it's it's like what they talk about in uh, Nightcrawler, you know, where they're like, oh yeah, we're trying to target that fear of like crime invading, like you know, like like suburbia. We're trying yeah. to like find that, and I think I think that this movie like definitely fits that bill. Kind of. You know, I mean, like, it's not. It's not, it's not really, suburban in any capacity. It's not really. No. I but, mean, but it's it's, it's, it's a fantasy. But it's yeah. it's, it's a fantasy for suburban yeah. suburbanites. Like living you. in like the rural farmhouse is a is a suburbanite fantasy. Yeah. Like. Well, that's the thing. Like at its core, the idea of this movie is reactionary and schlocky. Like getting stuck in your house. And a child molester comes in yeah. where you can't get your kids. That's like pure schlock. Yep. Right. Also, like, like the whole like being stuck in your house and that being like a metaphor for the for for Rona. Yeah, it, it's it's a reactionary idea too, right? Like mm-hmm. Very. The, the fear of the the child molesting drug addicts that are yeah around like, the corner. Like like Vincent Gallo and and Rainy Qualley's like ex husband are like technically the 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 bad guys in this movie but really the villain is moral degeneracy yeah and like that that is made like so so clear in this movie like it beats you over the head with it like rainy Qualley's character you know like the whole movie is a struggle for her soul more than anything else because the star of the movie what do we know about her she's a single mother she used to be a drug addict she has no money. 
uh, we hear her listening to like heavy metal music a couple of times, you know, like some hardcore punk shit, yeah. right? For the cool Christian you know? moms, right? Well, well, she's not Christian though, right? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, for the cool Christian moms, yeah. You know, this who is are these are all these are all these things that, but it's like you know, she's she's trying to take care of her kids, she's trying to live a better life. Uh, she goes into the pantry early on, and for some reason, there's a crucifix in the pantry. She's she's staying at her nana's house her nana has died and left her the house but her nana didn't leave her any money and you know she's on her way to move out to go live with her aunt you know and her aunt will let her live with her and not pay rent until she has a job but she has to pass a drug test first you know so like there's this there's this constant like looming threat of more than anything else her her slipping back into sin Right. You know, the there's so much of that temptation in the movie. The fact that her husband, when he locks her in the pantry, for some reason, tosses a little bag of meth under the door, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're once I get once I get you back under the clutches of drugs, then we'll be together again. You know, there's there's constantly that temptation when she has Vincent Gallo pinned when she has his hand pinned to the floor. He's he's tempting her. Like, like <laughs> My favorite the, scene. The fucking like Palpatine the, bullshit is so he's, funny. He's yeah. tempting her. He's it's he's the serpent. You know, she's eating in the garden and the and he's offering her the apple the the tainted apple the yeah. drugs he's he's hissing lies and falsehoods into her ear it's like there's so much of this just like extremely heavy-handed completely ham-fisted like biblical uh, yeah. symbolism when when uh her husband like locks her in the pantry and he's like nailing boards over the door she has like her hands up against the door and one of the nails goes through her hand so she has a, literally a, a a stigmata wound in her hand at one point she even takes the bandage off and looks and looks at her hand looks at the hole in her hand and then looks up at the crucifix on the wall and it does a close-up on christ's face it's like get it and then Later, she gets a big-ass splinter in the other hand, which she pulls out. So now she has a stigmata wound in each hand. And it's just like, I wanted to throw myself off the balcony. Like, it... <laughs> well, looking at the little Christ figure also gave her the idea to stab Vincent Gallo through the hand right. and give him his own stigmata. Right, exactly. Because Christ was crucified, you know, at Golgotha alongside two other sinners, you know. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, when Vincent Gallo is trying to tempt her, his monologue about going clean and sober please, is probably the that. best part of the movie. It's the best part of the movie, and also, like... Definitely the corniest, like, and it's hilarious. Yeah, really, the like, best part is in that same scene where not necessarily his his monologue about going clean and sober, but no, oh, there's a storm coming in. I get cold. Please, I get cold so easily. It's gonna get cold. It was I'm like cold, like beyond. It's just like yeah. yeah, it's just like for two minutes. She's like, oh, please, oh, it's so I get cold really easily. And then he starts just repeating uh, what was. 
says it. I, you hope I die. Yeah, yeah. Cause she, she says like, yeah, I, I hope you freeze. Like, like, cause, cause she's like, freeze. You hope, you hope I, I freeze. You hope, you, you hope I freeze. Is that what rehab taught you? It taught you hope? You hope I freeze? Like, and he keeps going and going. Like, the scene, like, like, all right, is this going to end? Is he done? Like, no, he's still, you it's, hope, it's the you best. hope. And like, yeah, we heard you, dog. It's the best part of the movie, though. It, it is. Really it's funny shit. Honestly. It's the, it's but you know, it's, it's like, it's funny because yeah. like, it's trying to, like, like reinforce it is trying to like use repetition to be scary and and to be like unsettling but instead like it comes across as like how the repetition in greasy strangler like becomes unfunny and then funny again <laughs> like well, here's, here's the thing here's the thing about that scene i i think there there's probably a 70 maybe 75 percent chance that all of that was improvised oh, oh no, yeah. no no definitely it, they let him like feels, just go to town yeah. it feels like they kind of just let vincent gallo go and they like, kept too much of it in. based off of his reputation like who he is and like considering like films like buffalo 66 which do have like a very improvisational mm-hmm. kind of uh naturalistic tone sort of mumblecore you yeah. know a little bit like it feels like they're like oh well, we got vincent gallo so let's just let him go you know give him give him uh, a, a goal was, for this scene he was full method after all you yeah, know right like, exactly yeah he got a tooth removed for some reason which <laughs> we didn't even know they didn't ask for him to do that either <laughs> it's not like they he just appeared on set without a tooth and awesome. was like wow. i got it pulled for the movie <laughs> Hey man, if he's selling uh, one night stands for fifty thousand dollars, then you know he's got money for fake teeth. So. Man, I'm I'm so I'm so excited to do see Gina he, Carano's next movie with them. Do you think? Do Holy you think shit, he's ever gotten an o- Do you think he's ever gotten an offer? No, for no, one of those no, uh, no. for, for a, a, a fifty thousand no. dollar night with Vincent Gallo. Probably no, not. And, no. And, and and you know, like any anyone who who would is an idiot. Yeah, like and, and you know, fine, see, fine if they did. If I had fun. Fuck you, money! I would absolutely catfish Vincent Gallo. Are you kidding me? <laughs> just find, can you imagine? Just find the ugliest woman. Give her 50. no, dude. Oh, just, just no. Get get a bunch of pictures of like a really hot woman. Send them to him, and then I show up. <laughs> <laughs> me, I and film his reaction. There you go. Yeah, that I will say wor- that would be worth fifty thousand. I will say. <laughs> I will say like the. The Vincent Gallo monologue stuff was probably my favorite part of the movie, just because it was like the campiest and yes. the schlockiest. Like, I think he understood what the tone of the movie should have been. He understood the assignment, yeah. as the kids say. Yeah. But also, like, he doesn't even show back up into the movie until, like, 45 minutes in. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, it's like, fuck, we've been with this bitch in the pantry for so goddamn long. Yeah, well, and then he gets, like, his scene or whatever... And then, you know, he gets set on fire and then just... Her setting him on fire is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, is, well, that I, is a that, great part. That shit is really, really funny. Because like, her kid her kid comes downstairs because, like, they're scared and they've been upstairs for too long, even though there's, like, a bad guy or whatever. And, like, he grabs her and he threatens her life. And so she's like, fine, fuck her, I'll set you on fire. And you know, so she's, she sets him on fire. And, like, I guess fortunately, like, he he doesn't kill her child which he was threatening to do because he still could have like yeah, as he's she on fire. slowly yeah. pours 
alcohol on his hand. Yeah, like like at any moment. Yeah, like he he could have he, he could have killed her kid there. Like well, it was she really almost weird. more so than that is she almost burns the house down. Not yeah. like yeah. I, I'd be willing to believe that like as soon as he felt his arm on fire that he would let the kid go. Well, like what I was I wouldn't be worried about like, that. But then like the whole pantry catches on fire. Yeah. I mean, she puts it out with a sheet. But like, well, here's the thing: her car is pretty well packed already, right? Like, the house is basically empty at this point. Yeah, she's moving. Wait for the fire to damage the door enough. Kick it down, because now it's been fired up, and get the fuck out of there. Well, that's the thing. Even with the small amount of fire damage that door got, I bet the structural integrity would be kind of shot to right. the point where you could probably well, okay, bust through it. If we're gonna if we're going to get into to analyzing stuff, let's go ahead and just make, like, let's move on to the next segment at this point, which is just how many dumb fucking decisions this character makes throughout the course <laughs> of this movie. Because holy shit. Okay, Hush, this is not. All right, I brought this up before, but Hush is a, um... Uh, is probably one of my all-time favorite like cat and mouse films for having a really smart fucking protagonist. Probably um, Mike Flanagan's best film. I agree. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, Mike Flanagan's finest. Uh, I just did. I I just I adore just how intelligent the 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 protagonist is in that film. Um, you know, despite like being deaf, she makes every good choice that she can along the way. You know, she doesn't let that stop her. Um, and the film doesn't let that stop her from being really resourceful and and getting the getting the leg up on her killer. Or her, her attempted killer. And uh, anyway, that's not this fucking film. And I, I just I think it's important to preface with that and just not be like 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 if you're going to like call out the bad, you need to like reference the good. You know, my well, opinion. Again, like you need, you need to like kind of like hold stand. If you're going to hold standards, you should show what the standards are. And Hush is a great one. Like go watch Hush instead of this movie. But again, in this movie, there's no antagonist for her to even play cat and mouse against. Vincent Gallo shows up and he's like, I'm going to molest your kids. And she's like, you want some meth? He's like, yes. And then she. <laughs> <laughs> and then she stabs a screwdriver through his hand and pins him to the yes. floor and then he's incapacitated for like the next 30 minutes like there's no there's no cat and mouse like the struggle is again it's her trying to get out of the pantry in the dumbest ways possible and also not take the drugs that have yeah. been left in there so let's talk about those dumbest ways possible let's like in a little bit like let's talk about first like how she gets the screwdriver through his hand is she she does the usual like temptation thing like you'd mentioned earlier yeah, where she's, she's like, like oh, oh i'm too i'm too, I'm too weak yeah I yeah put put your I, hand further in and it's like it is just abundantly obvious what she's doing and he has the power in that scenario he could just be like no drop it on the floor or throw it to me but the point you is, know, is that he's a but, the, but what the, the movie the screwdriver needs a, to go into his hand he's a he's a drug addict he can't the temptation he surrenders to the temptation because he's a sinner he can't you know think <laughs> rationally he can't say no he wants those drugs too badly when yeah. it's like I don't think it's stated explicitly, but it is implied that he's like her husband's drug dealer. So like couldn't he just go get other drugs? Like he's there for the express purpose of like diddling her kids. Yeah. So, as payment? As yeah, because her husband owes him money. So. so he's he came he came to collect and what he's collecting is is diddling their children. <laughs> <laughs> it's again no, again it's, again it's just like it is it's white suburban mom fears yeah and it's just like it's just not exciting or interesting but yeah you want to talk about the dumb ways that she tries 
to get out. Uh, she tries to get her her daughter to bring her some tools. Her daughter brings her a crayon. That doesn't work. Uh, she finds a bunch of jars of her Nana's apple butter, and she takes, like, the lids off and tries to use the lids of the mason jars to cut through the door. I'm still unclear about what her goal was there. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. It's, like, we Who see knows? her, like, she takes the lid off. Sue so does her, not like, telegraph well. Yeah, it just... It seemed like she was trying to see how sharp it was, and it wasn't sharp. So yeah, and then it cuts, it. and then it like cuts to the door, and it like pans up, and we see like all these scratch marks on the door. Like she's trying to cut through the door with the mason jar lid. I don't know. She tries to take the hinges off at one point, but can't because her daughter only brings her a flathead screwdriver, and he, she needs a Phillips head screwdriver. But then later, her daughter brings her the Phillips head screwdriver. And instead of then taking the hinges off the door like she was going to initially, she uses the screwdriver and a brick to try to break through the floor so she can crawl out under the house. (laughs) But because she's a woman, she's too weak. Uh, I, that's the, the that's the 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 implication. Well, in this she gets movie. interrupted by Vincent Gallo and then has to use the screwdriver. That's on right. His yeah, hand. she 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 pins she. So then the screwdriver's out of commission, and she ends up getting out. Uh, by instead of trying to go down, she goes up. She must ascend. She must ascend. Her salvation is above rather than below. <laughs> she the she left the bat. There was a leaky toilet upstairs or something. Yeah. So like the water like made the ceiling soft. So she's able to like dig through that. That's when she gets the splinter uh, in her other hand that gives her her second stigmata. I do. I do want to mention because before she escapes, there we have her finding the money in the Bible, which I want to talk about because this is this is when the movie makes its agenda crystal clear uh, when it shouts it in your face. Uh, it, it has been beating you over the head with it for uh, up till this point, but this is when it's like, this is what the movie's about. Uh, in the pantry, there's the crucifix and her Nana's old Bible for some reason. Why is this in the pantry? I don't know. I don't know. She notices that there's like something sticking out from the pages of the Bible. So she opens it up and she finds, what's this? A hundred dollar bill. And she starts flipping through the Bible, and she sees a lot of hundred dollar, a lot of other hundred dollar bills that are all taped over specific passages from the Bible. And she finds a note in the front of the Bible from her nana that says for Jessica. So it's like, oh. She thought her Nana didn't leave her any money, but she did. All she had to do was open up the good book and she would find she would find her money. She would find her salvation. And the the most heavy handed part of it is she's about to fall into temptation right before she notices. Well, yeah, because like Jemeth has yeah. been sitting on top of the Bible the whole time, so there's that whole like, oh, she's, which she's choice even, will I yeah, make? She's even cut, lines, she's even cut lines, and she's about she's rolled up a, a, a torn strip of magazine. She's about to snort the meth, and it's when she puts her head down that she comes sort of level with the Bible. This <laughs> is the funniest thing at that. Or you're like, oh shit, yeah, Bible pages will be way better for snorting meth. Yeah, right. And then she opens it up and finds a hundred dollar bill. It's like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, what's what's 
it's not enough that she finds the the hundred dollar bills like taped over specific passages. She has to like read a whole passage from the Bible. But the thing is, is like she's kind of mumbling uh, it to herself, so you can't hear it. And it just, the camera you can hear just it a has. Bit, yeah. You can hear it a little bit, but the, the camera is just like on the page, so it's expecting us to like read it, read which, along, like, yeah, like read along as she's sort of mumbling. And it's 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 a passage about. Oh my god! Uh, it's about a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, good trees bear only good fruit and bad trees bear only bad fruit. Good trees cannot bear bad fruit and bad trees cannot bear good fruit. It, all this heavy handed shit that the grandmother's house is on an apple orchard. Her daughter has been picking and collecting these apples in a wagon. The apples are all bad. They're rotten at the beginning over the opening credits. Like we see apples on the ground and like worms and stuff crawling in them. Bad apples, you know, degeneration, sin, the apple, you know, the, the symbolism of the garden and all of this. It's just like, ah, 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 it's like just fucking beating me into submission. And, uh, you know, she has a little moment there where she's like, you know what? Even though I was a drug addict, I I am still a good tree and I have borne good fruit. I'm not a bad person. Not like uh, this drug addict pedophile over there. Is, that I just you know, that I just, that I just set on fire. <laughs> that I literally uh, scorched with hellfire. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's it's it's after that that she like. Uh, you know, she she finds the money and then she has kind of a moment. She's like, I'm trapped in this pantry. What good does this money do me now? And she throws the Bible at the wall and it knocks the crucifix off the wall. And when she's holding, she's she's holding the crucifix. She's looking Christ in the eye. And then the water is like dripping down onto the crucifix. And that's what she knows. The ceiling is soft. I can get out. But, but here, here's the point, right? Like, which is, oh, the ceiling is soft. I can get out. I have this new, like, metal implement because like it's like a like a, it's like cast it's like a cast iron yeah, Christ. The, yeah the 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 metal christ comes off of the wooden crucifix which she throws at the wall so it's like it is like a sturdy piece of metal yeah and it's like cool now you can use christ, like literally use christ to like break you free or whatever and it's like heavy-handed sure but like there's your there's your fucking like device you have what you need to get out of there um but instead she has to fucking stop and take a moment to 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 take the the screwdriver like take the fucking flathead screwdriver out of the the pedophile's hand so that she can break out with that instead right it's like like freeing him to like go molest her child or whatever like if he's still alive or whatever like it's it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen like like you have a metal implement that's like it'll do the same job like like use the crucifix to break out like i know that it's uh christ will understand you know that's the thing about the message of this movie though is like if it was if it was a film that just like utilized religion and religious allegory then sure you can use the the metal the metal jesus to you know like save yourself but because the message of this movie the values of this movie are so fundamentalist christian doing that would be sacrilegious right and so they can't have her do that Mm-hmm. They can't. She can't use the literal. Right. Uh, uh, I you know, yeah, which is so funny.
funny to me because like like it's true. Like for the right. for the wine moms, they can't do it. I understand. Right, right. It's but it's, like it's, the... it's sacrilegious. So she, <laughs> she so she has no choice. She has to get the screwdriver out of Vincent. Right, Gallon's but see, the, the silly thing to me is that like I agree, and I, and I, and I, I totally acknowledge that. It's just it's fun to me too because like I'm pretty sure there's like a whole passage about like if your donkey fucking falls down a wall a well on Sunday, like get your donkey out. You know, like that's not hey, the fucking it, point. I mean, that's what pe- they people you know love to pick and choose from, yeah. from religious texts. Well, it's, but, it's almost like it's designed for you to pick and choose right. from it. Whoa. Anyway, she... she <laughs> Not for this podcast, she moving crawls, on. <laughs> she crawls out into the bathroom. She crawls through the through the bathroom floor. You know, it's wet. There's water dripping. And, you know, she she has to, like, push her way through, like, a membrane that's, like, covering the, the, the vinyl of the bathroom floor. So it's very much like a... Uh, She's being rebirth. It's, it's, it's a very... It's very much like a being reborn combined with like a baptism yeah all the suffering that like we've put her through has been earned bullshit yeah she like it's like no she's been been through some horrible shit like let her like fucking deal with it but like no she's she's earned through it yeah she's had the religious epiphany and she has been reborn in christ and uh you know then she kicks the door down to the bedroom because her daughter's not answering and then she kicks finds, it down no, no no she bangs against it repeatedly yeah and fucking kicks it down that's an important kicks, factor kicks the door down and uh finds the her daughter and the baby just sleeping under a pile of blankets on the mattress on the floor and it's like it it does this very slow thing where she's like pulling one blanket off at a time and it's like is are her kids going to be okay? Are they going to be okay? And she like pulls the last one off and they're like cuddled up together with their eyes closed. It's like, Oh, are they dead? And then the little girl just rolls over and it's, it's the weirdest cut where like, she just rolls over, opens eyes. She's like, mommy, you're here. It's like, (laughs) did you not hear her kicking the door to this room in like you and the, the little girl and the baby slept through that? No, thanks. I don't think so. Yeah. Like, like babies will cry at the drop of a goddamn dime. Like, this thing is like, like, frankly, too, like, I, I gave for the film for the sake of like, like the film moving forward. I get it. But like, man, that baby would have been crying the whole goddamn time. Right. And, you know, of course, then Vincent Gallo, you know, she she takes the screwdriver out of his hand, of his hand because she thinks he's dead, but he's not. Uh, she has just left him in the house for some reason, not like made sure that he's dead. You know, she goes out to the car to get some food for the kids and comes back and, uh, he's just one more thing to make her incompetent. He's holding, he's holding the baby, telling the kids to go back into the house when like, like the car is at least safe. You know, he's holding the Well, she doesn't have her keys to the car and it's raining or whatever, but she comes back and Vincent Gallo is holding the baby at knife point. And, uh, you know, threatening to, to, to gut the baby until her ex-husband comes back in. Don't know where he was this whole time, but he comes back in and shoots Vincent Gallo off camera. Importantly, I think. Shoots him off camera. And this is where the movie takes a really... I don't want to say baffling because it really makes sense when I think about it. But the fact that, like... The, the pedophile drug addict holding the children hostage at knife point is isn't not, the climax. Isn't the climax yeah. of the film. It's treated so unimportantly because the climax of the film has to be, again, the fate of the protagonist's soul. 
after Vincent Gallo is dead, then the husband comes in. He she gives him the money. She's and she's like, you know, take it and just go. And he's like, oh, why don't we shoot up together, baby? You know, let's. Uh, I got some even better stuff right here. You know, and she's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So it's like, oh. She, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna, uh, tempt her back into sin because she, she thinks that that's all she is, is a, is a sinner and she's not a good mother and blah, 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 all this bullshit. There's a shot of her like crushing up like a pill or something. No, into- it is the meth. It's the meth. It's yeah. the meth. She says it's the meth. Three grams of yeah shitty cut Because meth. he says it's the bad stuff. And yeah, like, cause like, like before then he says like, no, now I've got the good stuff. That bad stuff like knocked me out. Like that's yeah. why it took me so long to get here. He said, that's why I'm sticking to crystal, which is why yeah. they had to shoot up. Exactly. Crystal and, meth. Yeah. Um, and, and so she, yeah, she puts the so bad the, meth the, that was the tempting bad, her the, the whole time. The bad meth knocked him out. That's not how meth works, but whatever. She puts it into the apple butter to make him an, uh, a sandwich and he eats it and nothing happens from that. I don't understand what the point of that was. I thought she was no, going to like poison him. She it does. does later. She does, dude. Yeah, like, like that, that, that all does. It's dumb, but it does track. Like, like she, she puts the meth in the sandwich. Um, well, okay, what doesn't track is it doesn't taste fucking meth in the sandwich. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what meth tastes like, but I'm sure it has to be potent, right? Yeah. Uh, one, one would think it would have a. Like, I mean, it's a, made of it, chemicals. You would probably mm, taste it in your right, apple like, like you'd be like sandwich. Yeah. Mm, this, this, this sandwich sure does taste of meth. This um, tastes familiar. Yeah. Right. You would. Think think um but anyway he you know he he gobbles it up after her she convinces him that he, he needs his strength or whatever he goes and ties off and he, and he 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 shoots up and then he tries to get her to do it at gunpoint because she won't yeah she refuses you know because she's she's so trying he, to wait him out she's trying to wait for him to like you know like fucking od or whatever and he he just won't and uh so then the, like a fight well, yeah, because ensues because again it's meth and not heroin yeah. It's a fu- it's a stimulant, not an opiate. Right. So it's going to make him a super make, soldier and so he attacks him, her. It's going to make him tweak. And Again, I don't understand why uh, he thre- he holds her at gunpoint to try to get her to shoot up. I don't understand what that what that's about. It's the only way like, his life can carry on is if if she does meth and he can then he can a, see his kids or whatever, I don't know. No meth head has ever been like I'm. I you you better t- take some of my meth, otherwise I'm gonna kill you. Like no meth head has ever been like, yeah, let me give you some of my meth, and if you won't take it, I'm gonna hold you at gunpoint until you take it. They'll always just be like, oh, more meth for me then. <laughs> and but like that's that's the thing. The bad meth doesn't do anything. She they they have a fight upstairs, and then she just pushes him out a window, and he dies. Well, so he's I'm, I'm not kind a meth expert. Of- ODs, and then yeah, I, as he's like tweaking out, he she just like pushes. But him. is that is that from the meth that she put in his sandwich? Or yes, the meth she she says it is a combo. she says she says it is like like before she pushes him out the window. Yeah, like yeah, she's like yeah, like that that bad meth. I put it in your sandwich. Or whatever. Mm, I um, just tuned out at that point. This movie yeah, was had just like fucking- yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I'm not a I'm not a meth expert, and I don't I don't think that the people who wrote this movie are either. But um, uh, well, maybe Vincent Gallo. Maybe Vincent Gallo. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know. Like, like it's it, 
it's hard for me to say. So like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one on the table. But uh, that I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna leave that meth. I'm gonna leave the meth sandwich uneaten. Um, but uh, yeah, like like regardless of all that, like the motive is still really silly and stupid. And the the protagonist just like 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 regular opportunities like makes choices that puts her kids into further danger or just dumb choices. Like like she she gets most of the way into carving a hole out of the floor before she just kind of gives up. Yeah, because cause like I, I, I said, they explain that. She's a woman. She's too weak to pull up the floor. So dumb. Like, she's already, she's pulled half of it up. Like, and, and like, there are other things in that room, and, like, you can just, like, just keep kicking at it, keep fucking working at it. Yeah, I'm sorry. This like, is she an loosened old, it this up. This is an old fucking house. There's no way that door would in on the pantry would have been that sturdy. Right? If she had yeah. just kept bashing against it, it would have fucking broken. Way, like, it, way sooner, yeah, than, yeah. like, yeah. The, the rest. But anyway, we we have an epilogue which yeah. is frustrating uh she has decided to not leave nana's house they she they've decided to stay <laughs> because she <laughs> found silly. she found in in the bible with all the money was the recipe for nana's famous apple butter <laughs> that she was using as as sustenance the whole time she's stuck in the pantry she was eating it um and it this, kept her this, alive. This apple butter is so fucking good that uh, by her just making batches of it in her home and selling it to local businesses gives her all of the money that she needs to survive. So, you know, the, the epilogue is her and the daughter and the baby in the kitchen as she's making the apple butter and she's she's cutting up apples and she's like, this apple has a brown spot, but we don't want to throw it out. We just want to cut off the bad spot and use the rest, right? <laughs> and then the last shot of the film <laughs> is... It zooms in on the recipe card that she has pinned next to the pantry door down to the bottom where, like, her Nana has written a note that, like, says something like, don't throw out an apple that has a brown spot unless the whole apple is bad. If you cut the bad spot off, the rest of the apple is still good. Not many people know this secret, (laughs) but those apples make the best apple butter. And then it cuts to credits. Yeah, not many people know the secret that, like, not all the apple is bad. Well, see, that's, like, and, 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 but, you know, that that's the thing. It's like, she had a brown spot. Like, that's a secret? She she had a brown spot on her soul, you know. She was, she was tarnished, but she was still, the fruit was still good. It still makes the best apple butter. All she had Wait. to do, all she had to do was cut off that brown spot. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, right? Isn't that also saying that that Bible verse is wrong? No, it's saying that she thought she, she misinterpreted it because she thought the fruit she was, is still good. The fruit uh, is still okay, good just yeah. because it has uh, it, yeah. because the thing is the good fruit comes from the good tree. Just because it has a brown spot doesn't mean the fruit itself is bad. bad. You cut off it does it doesn't I mean it's come that. from a bad tree. And that's you the know? secret. And that's the secret. Not many people know this secret. Not many people is that know if you is that if you yeah. cut is if you cut the brown spot off of an apple, the rest of it is still good. Not many people know this. Few are talking about this. Damn. We're going to spread the word. We're spreading it. We're spreading the good word. 
And then the movie ends, and we got to see Ben Shapiro's you know, name in the credits. You know, I was really surprised by their choice of apple butter jeans for the uh, the credit sequence. Damn it. <laughs> I was really God surprised by that. Damn it. Apple butter jeans and the boots with the fur, with the fur. <laughs> well, uh, once again, Everybody you've chosen... Everybody in the pantry you, looking at her, at her. Once again, you've chosen the outro music for this episode. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I, I, I don't have anything else for this one. Are you guys ready to rate? Yeah, we might as well at this point. Uh, do you want to start, Ben? Sure. Yeah, I. Uh, this movie, you know, was competently enough made. It was safe and boring and very heavy-handed. The worst thing is they uh, they underused Vincent Gallo, who was probably the funniest part of this movie. It's not terrible. I, you know, I was expecting worse. Um, it's very heavy-handed again, but it's not as bad as I was expecting. I'm gonna give it a one and a half. I think Cleveland. Yeah, like a one and a half or a two. You know, which uh, one? You know, she sets a guy's hand on fire. I'll give it a two. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I. I I'm with you, Ben. Like, it's not. It's not a horrendous movie. It's not a terrible movie, but uh, that's actually what makes it worse to me is because it's just so safe and boring and annoying. Like, I wish it would have been worse on every front because then it would have been more interesting at least. I cannot believe that they had a legitimate maniac like Vincent Gallo at their disposal and they just completely fucking wasted him. Just completely fucking wasted that psycho energy that they could <laughs> that they could have done something truly great with, but they didn't. I'm going to give it a one and a half out of five as well, uh, which gives Shut In a 1.7 out of five. As an uh, aside, I just want to say how funny it is that Vincent Gallo came back after 15 years for the role of a child molester. Like he <laughs> he heard the, he saw the script and was like, was like yeah, that is, is what I have to play. My, this is my comeback. This is my comeback. A pedophile meth head. <laughs> uh, I'm going to the dentist right now. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Well, we predicted this. It had, movie. It had to be like like we like, did predict this movie. Uh, so. First, let's start with uh, the good old Rotten Tomatoes. How known is this movie? Like, are there any ratings on it at all? Yeah, there's there's a few. Oh. Uh, so, Rotten Tomatoes. I predicted 39. TC predicted 71. Whoa! And Cleve, you predicted 42. What the fuck? I was going entirely <laughs> off of Vincent Gallo's presence well, in this movie. It currently has a 63. Those wine moms are coming out. The wine moms are coming out of the woodworks. Yeah, you know what? Like, this is... The only people who have seen this movie are this movie's target demographic and us. Well, yeah. And I I gotta say, like, I I think this movie does an effective job of appealing to that target demographic. 
Wait, what like, was Cleveland? Am I closer than Cleve? Yeah, you are okay. closer. Cleves was uh, forty two. Okay, I'm uh, not. I'm not proud of that. Yeah, I mean, well, on top of that, I don't think it has a ton of reviews. Let me double check to see how many. Re- I think it I has eight hear some reviews. Good. Okay, okay so, find, find me a good one. I want to hear it. Uh, what you got? <laughs> well, I'm just gonna read the pull quotes. Gallo's authentically raw performance also has an unintended consequence. It makes the rest of the film look even more crude and amateurish by comparison. <laughs> Uh, Shut-In doesn't redefine the genre by any means, but it's a polished exercise in confined terror with a very nasty bite to it. No. No. Uh, I'm not sure if seeing this will help you own the libs, but it's definitely super dull. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Credit to... Who who said that? Uh, That was uh, Vincent Mancini. Well done, Vincent. But not Vincent Gallo. Yeah, no. No. Well done, Vincent. Uh, He's got Vincent in That's something else. But uh, we also predicted collective rating. Yes. Uh, I predicted 3.3. TC predicted 3.2. And Cleve, you said two and a half. Ah! So you get nice. that one, Cleve. So we are currently... I'm surprised I went with the lowest for the group. We are currently quite close. You didn't know Vincent Gallo. Uh, TC, you have three points. Cleve, you have two. And I have one. All right. Keeping it. Keeping that lead going. Uh... What is next week? Next week is Cleve's pick, and if it's still what I think it is, we are covering Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Wow. We're returning to the world of the Texas, the world of the chainsaw, the world of the massacre. <laughs> again. Boy. Yet again. So, so, so shortly after... Uh, Last week's uh, Texas Chainsaw 2022. Are you ready for the best example of sometimes more is better? I'm excited. I'm like, this is the best and more yeah. is better. I, like, ever. This, is, really. this is the rare. This is the rare instance where I'm the only one who hasn't seen this one. Uh, that almost yeah, never, I've actually almost, seen a movie that you haven't I, for once. I'm so excited. That almost never happens. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited, and uh, I've only heard great things about this movie from a lot of people that I respect. So I uh, I have high hope. Yeah, high you're in for a treat. It's such a good movie. I I would say go in with don't expect grounded though. Go in with no expectations. Yeah. You know, yeah. just uh, go in for the ride and don't expect anything from it. Like, I, th- yeah. I have... You'll be rewarded. I have, <laughs> yeah. I have a very loose understanding of parts of the premise. Like, I'm not... I'm already not completely blind in this no movie, but I'm, no I'm <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of details. So I'm excited. So next week is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. It's, it, it, it might be one of my new favorite horror films. If I'm being honest. Like, yeah. All right, let's see here. What's the sponsor? The sponsor this week. This week is brought to you by. Tulpa. Two? Why, why have you done this? Did I pull Tulpa last week? No. It was like, it was like pulled, two weeks ago. You pulled Tulpa a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, this, but it's, why, but it's 2022. Why have you? Why has the sponsor shelf given me <laughs> Tulpa the sequel? Fuck. 
all right, I get it. I get it, and I hate it. I hate it. Why have you done this again? Why, oh, sponsor shelf, have, has thou forsaken me? God damn it. Uh, yeah, this week is brought to us by Tulpas. This is plural. Tulpa 2. Tulpa 2. Coming to theaters near you if you believe in them. But only if you believe in them will they exist, and then you can see the sequel. <laughs> Of the first movie that also doesn't exist because it's a tulpa. Uh, uh, tulpas, everybody. The sequel to Tulpa. Tulpa 2. Yep. Well, that'll do it for us this week. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, you can support the, the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com. Are you going to write some of these, bud? <laughs> help. Help me. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> when do you go to Yeah, it's a sponsor, sponsor shelf. Mantis has been giving his blood to the sponsor shelf to make these sponsors for us. You need to give some blood. <laughs> the sponsor shelf lives in my house. Help. So I'm the one who worships most frequently at the sponsor yeah, shelf. Yeah, I think all I can produce is more tulpas, unfortunately. Uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod uh, if you want to give us money. If not, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That is cool, too. We would love and appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. Come to me for bad tweets. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally, a little rarely these days, quit tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out progress on It Stares Back, mostly focusing on working on It Stares Back. Um, uh, you can also find my work uh, on uh, DreadXP.com. If you go there, you can see all sorts of cool games that the studio's working on that I'm getting to work on in some capacity here and there. Uh, and it's a real treat. Um, more recently, you can go check out the My Friendly Neighborhood demo that's up. It'll still be up as of recording. Uh, uh, we're, we're keeping it up, which is cool. Um, so uh, you should go check that out. It's really fun. It's free, and it's it's a real hoot. Uh, you get to get to be attacked by scary puppets um, uh, that they just want to hug. And that's it from me. Did we shout out Patreon patrons? Oh, yes. Patreon, Most our honorary important. pod boys. Uh, I think I forgot last week, too. Sam Simon, Sarah Morris. Thank you. I know y'all listen. I'm sorry that I forgot you. Did you? I thought you got him. Not this time. Maybe maybe last week. I don't remember. I think I forgot again as well. Uh, so, yeah. Honorary pod boys, Sam Simon, Sarah Morris. The show would not be possible without y'all. We love and appreciate you. Honestly. And we love and appreciate you, appreciate listener. Him. Thank you. And uh, just, you know, until next time, keep us in your hearts, your brothers in Christ. Professional, drinking
see what I think I will. Did a thing I seen, sure they get low. Ain't the same when it's up that close. Make it rain, I'm making it snow. Work the pole, I got the bank roll. I'ma say that I prefer them no clothes. I'm into that, I love women exposed. She threw it back at me, I gave her more. Cash ain't a problem, I know where it goes. She had them. Apple bottom jeans. 